join me in prayer. Father, as we open your word, we ask that you'd open our hearts, our minds, our eyes to receive what you have for us this morning. Again, being thankful that you have revealed yourself in such a way that we can come to your God-breathed Scripture and know that you are speaking to us, leading us, guiding us. And each one of us comes with different areas of need and different points of, 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 of need today. And I'm confident, Lord, that your Word can meet every need this morning. And we ask that you would do that. Guide me, Lord, as I speak, that I would speak the things that, that are glorifying to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Last week I uh, started a, a series that will be reflecting uh, the thoughts of, of what it is to be a part of the body of Christ and, and to, you know, to, to say that you are a part of it. And I'm cautious, I, I, I want to you know, be cautious how I use the word member because it dawned on me uh, this week that you can be, you know, member can make it sound like a social club. And I want to be so cautious. And so uh, bear with me this morning as I go through this and, and, and maybe a little bit of review from last week but, uh, and some additional thoughts for this week. You know, uh, let's go to, to, to Hebrews chapter 10. And again, familiar verses, the same verses that we used from last week. I'd like to, to use again this morning. Hebrews chapter 10 starting with the 19th verse. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain that is through His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the, high, over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day referring to the, the return of Christ. And, you know, it doesn't matter. I don't care what your end times philosophy or ideology or belief system is. Uh, as we look at the things going on in the world, we realize that it's drawing near, uh, but then it's drawing near every day. And uh, the other side of that, I always tell people, you know, some people saying this is the last generation and, and, and as if to try to spur us on to getting us out there. And, they, you know, it, it, what's going on? You know, it could be the 80s, it could be the 90s, it could be the year 2000, it could be... Well, it could have been any of those years, but it wasn't. And my concern is always that for us in this room and everybody that we know, it is in time. Meaning we don't get another generation, another shot at it. Man lives once and then he dies and then the judgment. So it's in times for this generation no matter whether the Jesus returns during that period or not. And we need to treat it that way. And, and so the writer of Hebrews is, is trying to, to point out to the, to the, the, 
the people that he's that he's writing to, that that the need to to be the body of Christ and how that has to happen together. Have you, have you ever talked to someone? Maybe you know, and, and I have to tell you that there was even a brief time in my Christian walk where I was wondering if this wasn't the case, that you didn't need church, meaning this organized structure of coming together in a building and stuff like that. Um, I could worship, and I, and I know it sounds kind of corny when you say it this way because you've heard it so many times possibly, but I felt, you know, you can worship God anywhere. Look at, look at the, the and, and I grew up in Southern California, and of course I love the beaches, and I love the ocean, and, and to, you know, when you can be out there when nobody else is there early in the morning, uh, it is, is it's beautiful, and it, and, it, and it does. You think, wow, you know, the ocean and, and all that God has put together, and you, you can sit there and sing and worship all by yourself. And by the way, that's an awesome thing to do, and there's nothing wrong with it. But the Hebrew writer clearly marks out here that we need to be meeting together as well to what? Stir each other up to the works, the good works of God, the things that God has caught for us to do. And it takes us doing that together. God has never intended this to be a Lone Ranger type of, of, of call. It is a community. And so we look and, and we, we see these words stir up one another. We do this by meeting together. The church is established, first and foremost, it's established by Jesus. He says upon, Jesus says in Matthew 16, 18, upon this rock I will build my church. And, and he, he is the one who builds it. He gave us marching orders, if you will, with the great commission to go out and to make disciples and, and to baptize and to teach all the things that I have commanded out of Matthew 28, 19. You go there and you see that. And even in, in, in the book of Acts in chapter 1, He's telling the uh, disciples at the, just before his ascension, uh, you know, 40, for, you know, uh, 40 days after the, the his resurrection, that he uh, he says, "I want you to go back to Jerusalem. And I want you to wait there until you've received the power of the Holy Spirit. And then this is what I want you to do: is I want you to go out into the city of Jerusalem and preach the gospel." And then to all of Judea. And then to Samaria. To be sent as a, uh, from a Jewish perspective to Samaria to do the ministry of God is mind-boggling to them. Okay, But it's this way Jesus put it. He says, I want you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, and then to Samaria, and then to the outer parts of the earth, which implied not just the Jews, but the Gentiles too. As we realize, after seeing how Jesus pulls it together in His teachings in the Old Testament and all this, and we get to look back and see it all come together, we realize that there isn't Jew, there isn't Greek, there's only Christian. There's only those resting in the blood of Christ. So here's that picture of, of Jesus. He is the, the one who built the church. He is the one who has given the authority to the church to move because he started that in Matthew 28. All authority has been given to me to send you. And then he tells them how to do it. This, you know, I, I kind of looked back in my mind. I kind of thought about, about it this way. In your own backyard. And then, you know, in your own, community, or your own county or your own state. And then across the, the nation and then into the globe, if you will, all to the, uh, uh, to the world. 
And then we get to Acts chapter 2 and we see it begin. Powerfully. The falling of the Holy Spirit on 120 in an upper room. The praying and the, and the preaching and the teaching that goes on in chapter 2 is just so powerful that at the end of the point, uh, verse 37, after Peter's done preaching, it says these men were pierced. I mentioned this last week. They were pierced to the heart. The idea there is that they were put into the point of saying, that's true, I believe. I'm pierced to the heart. Meaning, they had come immediately to that point of being poor in spirit, mourning over their sin, and wanting God to do something. And so they said, what must we do? And, and, and Peter says, well, you need to repent and be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they did. And at that point in time, 3,000 people came into the relationship that the 120. And so there's, there's over 3,000 people. And you look in the book of, of Acts and you see a continuing growth of the, of the church. Verses 41 of, 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 of Acts chapter 2 uh, says, So those who received His Word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And, and so that picture of the, of the beginning of it and then down to verse 47, praising, uh, there was a, they were praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. What was happening? Though it was interesting as you go through the book of Acts, you realize that, that where are 3,000 people going to meet at one time? There was no church buildings. There was the temple colonnades and stuff like that. And for a while, it seems like they were using some of those areas for teaching. Right now, God was not pushing them out in the sense of uh, the Jews weren't coming right against them at this point. They really quite candidly didn't know what to do because they were quite convinced that Christ was crucified. That would put an end to this Christian stuff. And they're somewhat blown away and not really quite sure what to do. And it's not until Stephen that... Uh, and, and his encounter with the Sanhedrin that they finally get upset and really begin the idea of persecution. So what was going on with these people? Well, they were meeting where, wherever they could get together. It appears to be in homes. Well, how many homes are going to hold 3,000 people? <laughs> Their homes were obviously smaller than ours. So what was happening was a bunch of small fellowship groups meeting together. And uh, I don't know, I would have, and, and yet it says they were listening to the apostles' teaching. I, I, these guys must have been busy. Just constant. And it says as, as often as they were meeting together, they not only shared in the Word and the apostles' teaching, it says they broke bread together. I believe that's the idea of sharing communion. It may be sharing in a communion meal, but I believe it focused then on the communion, the bread and the blood of Christ in the, in the sense of, of what Jesus did at the Last Supper. And so here's this, this grouping of people coming together under the apostles' teaching, they were doing exactly what they had been told to do. Now, there's something that you, you need to catch in the midst of this, and that is, is that in, in all of this, Christ is the head of the church. It's made very clear in Scripture. I think that's an interesting side note. I, I cautiously go here because we're so... We're so caught in our, in our form of government, democracy. And believe me, I am enjoying my rights as an American citizen. 
I've seen other places, I've heard of other places, and I've known people to live in other places. I'm very happy to be where I am in the nation that I am with the, 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 the rights that I have. Could things be going better? Yeah, I'm a little frustrated with the political scene today, and I don't know too many people that aren't, okay? But I still am, uh, am a person who values our Constitution, values our form of government, is excited about the idea that I have certain rights, and I'm willing to voice those rights. And if I'm pushed into a corner, I've even come to a point where I will defend those rights. And uh, so we, we have that... that that picture of of, uh, uh, of our freedom and all the democracy. What that creates in us, though, is an interesting thing. Uh, those who've gone through, especially if you've gone through public education at the time that I was being raised and stuff, there was an extreme move of patriotism. Part of that was the Cold War going on with the communists. Uh, there was a you know a real attitude that you know God and country kind of thing and. And uh, not everybody really understanding what that meant, but all, everybody saying it. And, 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 and so I was raised with this extreme patriotic context. And uh, it, it creates a rather fiercely independent spirit. And then I come into Christianity, and I was beyond that spirit in the sense of my own rebellion, uh, I was with a little kid that, that, you know, somebody says, sit down and you sit down, but he's the one that says, but I'm standing up on the inside. I haven't lost yet. Um, I had a teacher who, bless her heart, was sitting in the dean of, of boys' office and she was in tears and, and I had been called to the office. And, of course, you know, that means trouble. And uh, I see her sitting there and I know that I'm in trouble now. She's my English teacher. And uh, she says, I love him. I really do. I, I, I like him. I love him. But if he's in my class Monday morning, I'm going home. Uh, yeah, and, and, and so I, you know, I was fiercely independent in, in, in a rebellious sort of way on top of everything. I come into a Christian relationship. I don't know how to yield. I don't know, and I was so blessed to have some teachers who shared with me what it was to become not kind of dependent, but fully dependent on Jesus Christ completely reshaped my thinking. I had no idea that that... that and you, you go from this person who is whatever I can get out of the world that's mine and what, you know, type of thing and, and you, you're your self-made man. If you're not doing it for yourself, it's your own fault and, and, and just gusto in that concept and, and, and going for it and, and, and having a financially successful life and then... All of a sudden, just all of it realizing, but if God is sovereign, if He is real, and Jesus really died on the cross for man and his sin, and it just overwhelmed me. I was helplessly, hopelessly lost. I couldn't fix it. Only Christ. And as, I, as, you, as you understand that, as, you, as God reveals it to you and draws you into Himself, you, now you, all of a sudden you start to read the Word and understand it a little bit. At a time, I always think of Mr. Young. You read a little bit here, read a little bit there, and and then all of a sudden, oh my goodness, this goes with this, you know, and 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 just the constant study, the hungering and thirsting after God and His righteousness, revealed in His Word, the place to study Him. And so, we have this 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 drawing of us into a, a body of believers to share each other, to stir each other up. 
And then we find in Acts chapter 14, uh, verse 23, that they, they went around appointing leaders, elders, presbyters, you know, the idea of leaders, elders in every church. What do you mean every church? There's only one church, right? Well, that's obviously something that has to be understood here. There is the church. The church meaning that, that everybody comes into the same relationship with Jesus Christ in the same way, through the same offering of His life, through the same words that is finished, through the same Word of God. There is no other God-breathed Word, only this. And, and no other name to be saved but under heaven. And everybody that confesses and believes in their heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who comes to know Him as according to what the Word reveals about Him, the Gospel message, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, as we come together, everybody comes through that same process. Maybe in different little stages of, of how it hits you, but we all come to the body. And that is the church, the whole church. Everybody who's ever confessed that, whoever will confess that, who confesses that today, we are the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. But within the framework of that, there are churches everywhere you go. In the sense of, of, of even at the time of, of uh, uh, the, the writing of the Scriptures, uh, I was just I just pulled these out in in Romans chapter chapter one to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ so very specifically there's a group of you meeting in Rome and I'm writing to you and and that group was more than one house it was something that was mushrooming and growing which means it was again the same thing encompassing many locations as it matured and grew. And, and he writes to the Corinthians, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Jesus Christ, called to be saints together with all those who are in every place called by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both our Lord and ours. And again, you can see all the, the, the key things of, of coming to who Christ is together. To the church in Galatia, to the church in Ephesus, to the church in Philippi, and, and, and you know, the one in Philippi says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I already mentioned uh, you know, Acts 14.23. It says, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed unto the Lord uh, in whom they... They believed, and Titus was told uh, in, 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 in Titus, he says, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you may put uh, what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Very clearly, individual groups of people with elders to lead. And, and so the, the picture is, 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 is growing as to what the church is. It is a body of believers in a universal context, all believing through the Word of God, the same Jesus Christ, the blood of Christ, the cross of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the ascension of Christ, the promise of our inheritance with Christ, all of that is the same, but we come together in small groups to encourage each other and come to our own Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and, and, the, and outer parts of the world. So for us, I look at it and say, where's my, my Jerusalem? Well, I might say Fortuna. Or Humboldt County, maybe, but but Fortuna, Eel River Valley, the area that God has put me in, and and it's interesting uh, that 
you know, people, when you're someplace long enough, people at least know who you are and, and, and have heard what you stand for if they haven't heard it. And so when they see you, they're not surprised that, you know, that, I, that I speak things like, oh, hi, are you saved? No, I don't quite. Well, I have done that. Uh, but, but uh, the, you know, it's kind of expected of me. Even when I, they brought me to the high school and my participation in every 15 minutes, number of years, whether it was all over the county I did this, and, uh, and, and that's a, 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 a alcohol, uh, anti-alcohol drinking program to, presented to, to, the, to the, the youth of high school over a two-week or two-day period of time. And, and it's quite a powerful program. And uh, they knew. They didn't even tell me. They, they didn't hinder me in any way. In fact, uh, one of, you know, most, a lot of you know, remember who Shea is. Uh, a singer, and she's got a, uh, a number of CDs you can still get online and stuff like that. But uh, I, I, I played a song that Shea wrote, and they, they, they applauded. You know, I mean, it was okay because they expected me to do that. But I, I, what I'm saying is, is that in my area, I, you know, I've, I've done what I can to share. I want to encourage you to be doing the same thing in your workplace. You know, it may not be that everybody's going to look at you with excitement or enthusiasm, uh, and some people are going to look at you peculiarly. And what's amazing is that he, well, I'll get to that in a minute. And uh, so I just want to encourage you. This is what we're, this, this is our, you know, Jerusalem, if you will, in our, our neighborhoods and, and around us. And, and you can figure out for yourselves how you would divvy that up into Judea and Samaria and the rest of the world. But the idea is that we're being involved. How do I get involved in the rest of the world? I've been very limited in my physical involvement. I haven't been any further than Mexico or Canada in, 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 in a sense of, of, of the United States outside. That's my global outreach, personally. Okay? But we support missions that are global. A percentage of everything that you put into the, to the, to, to the offering, you know, some of it's going... To, to various ministries and showing up in Japan and showing up in Mongolia and, and showing up in, 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 in all parts. It's showing up in Eureka. It, you know, it, it's, it's going out. This is what we're to stir each other up to. This is the thing we're to encourage each other to do. And, and as we go along, to encourage each other to grow in the Lord. And not just on Sunday mornings. But as often as you can find time. We're told how important it is to hang on what is trustworthy. Test everything and hold fast to what is good, Paul writes to the Thessalonians. And, and, and as we do that, we, we, we realize that that's primarily the Word of God, to, to hang on to it, to use it, to study it, to look at it, to, 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 to hunger and thirst to know God through it. And within the framework of that, uh, it talks about elders as the, as the leaders. It uses a word that we really don't like in our culture. It says rule uh, in... in, in uh, uh, Titus, it says that, you know, the idea, or First Timothy, the idea of rule or lead. Um, 
And in, in Hebrews 13, we went over this uh, last uh, week, but uh, Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verse uh, 17. And, uh, you know, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And the idea here is, is that God has put the elders in to be the... the I, I shared with you out of Acts last, last week, chapter 20, where he's, Paul speaks very specifically to the elders from Ephesus. Man, there's going to be people that actually move into your church that are going to be wolves in sheep clothing. You need to be able to be seeing them and be aware of them and to point them out and to get them out of the way so that they don't hurt the flock. You are the protectors of the flock. And I am, paraphrasing in the sense of my addition to this, and I'm cautious at that, I'm holding you accountable to do that job. The elders are held accountable to be the flock protectors, the flock teachers. I'm just one of the, the elders. and I'm, I've been given the, the, the amazing opportunity to be the one that gets to stand up here. And unfortunately, sometimes that puts in some people's mind some kind of hierarchy system. That doesn't exist in the Scripture, and it doesn't exist here. I am one of the elders. All of us have been in the pulpit. All of us can teach. All of us have led Bible studies. And uh, we're hoping to raise up new men in, in, in the congregation to do and to continue to do that. And, and so this idea of, of those who, who are leading, but notice again that idea of accountability. Who are they accountable for if there isn't a, a, a local group of believers? Am I accountable for every believer that's in the community? That's kind of overwhelming if you think about it because there's a number of churches that aren't really Christian, but they call themselves Christian. Am I responsible for the cult? And, and I'm going to be held accountable for them? Well, I think I'm going to be held accountable if I've had the opportunity to witness to them, to point the gospel out to, to them, but I'm not accountable for them specifically. God has put me in accountability to this group. I am accountable to you, but first to Him. And, and the, the, by the way, accountable to you in the same context that, that, that the Scriptures, the Bereans, that, that Paul spoke of about how they took the Word of God and made sure that Paul was preaching the truth. You are called to be the student of the Word and, and, and looking at it and saying, how did you get, if, if you don't understand it, you, to approach me and say, how did you get the point A from point A to point B? Sometimes I take things for granted and assume, and I'm wrong, that you understand how to get from point A to point B. Maybe I'd missed it, or maybe I just simply briefed over it so fast that, you, that it was. It's important that you are involved in the process. Hold me accountable to what I say. We're called to test. I mentioned this last week. Everything to the Word of God, to the, the confession of Christ. If it doesn't confess Christ, it's not of the church. It's not of God. In fact, John uses some rather bold words at that point. He says, if it's not of Christ, it's of the Antichrist. He said, basically, it's either of, the, uh, other, it's either of God and His Word and, and supporting the Gospel, or it's of the world, and that's the Antichrist. That's a very harsh comment. Nobody wants to hear it, and we certainly don't want to run out the door saying, you're the Antichrist, you're the Antichrist, you're the Antichrist. But the bottom line is what he's saying. It's the spirit of the Antichrist, meaning against the church, against Christ. I go to a school board meeting at the high school, and uh, a good part of the time they're thinking, oh gosh, here he comes again. But, but the idea is, is that they, they, they turn around 
And, and, and if I ask them at the school board meeting if they confess Jesus Christ come in the flesh, if this organization confessed Jesus Christ, they're going to look at me and say, absolutely not. Separation of church and state. We have nothing but neutrality here. Everybody is accepted. And the irony of that is, is that everybody's accepted except the Christian, and they're rejected now, right, it seems, most often in public school. You can carry a Koran, but you can't carry a Bible in some places. I'm not allowed on the campuses in, the, in San Luis Obispo County as a pastor, even though it's somebody from my congregation that would be in the, the, the office needing my help, a student needing my help and to come alongside. I would not be allowed on campus as a pastor. I have to be a matter of record as a person who can be called as a friend or, or a family member in a sense or a, a close friend of the family that I can come alongside. So we have this, 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 this reality that we are to test everything. Does it stand up to God? Does it, does it confess God? If it doesn't, then it doesn't mean that, you, know, it doesn't mean that, that, that you, you have to ignore it. We can't get out of the world. We're in it. But we're not of it. We're in it. And so you, you might be working at a place that does not confess God. I've worked at a number of places as a Christian that do not confess God. In public school, as a teacher, in, in, in uh, various corporations and, 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 and stuff. So, so I know that that happens. Okay? But if there's a point in time where I'm asked to compromise my faith, I may have to say, I can't do that. Or I can't say that. One company I was asked to, to answer the phone in a particular way, which I, I'm not going to go into all the details, but it was basically taking advantage of an old word of the way you identified unfinished furniture. And the name of the furniture store was Nude Furniture. We were supposed to answer the phone. Thank you for shopping nude. They even had a theme of commercials with that. I wouldn't do it. I'd say, thank you for calling Nude Furniture. My name's Bob Hapgood. May I help you? I, I got the most amazing thing happened the next month after I refused. And, I, and, the, and the owner that hired me said, okay. The manager was not happy. And it was like everybody who walked through the door came up to me and said, I want to buy that. I had the highest sales two months in a row. And I didn't even try. It was, it was just the way it happened. And I know it was God blessing me for taking a stand. Now, the irony of that is I got fired two months after that because the owner that hired me died of a heart attack. And the, the manager now, boom, gone. God even knew then what I needed. He put me to work for Kelly Moore, which happens to be a Mormon company. And when I applied for a month off, the summer off to uh, work in, in, in ministry, they automatically gave it to me thinking I was a Mormon going on my call. I, that's what I was told after the fact. I didn't know that until after the fact. But um, they said, you're not a Mormon? <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't know Bill Moore was a Mormon. I just, you know, uh, but... but uh, so, you know, and, 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 and you want to put a third irony into it. The original person, the father who owned the company, came back to it and says, where's this guy who had all the sales? What happened to him? Well, we fired him. Why? Because well, he's not a team player. He says, I want him back. They offered me my, my own hours, come whenever I wanted. I, I, I got my shop back. I got, it was amazing. So God can do amazing things with your witness, with your testimony, and in some places, 
You'll never get to go through the door again. In other places, you'll, God will put it over and over and over again. And as a result, God let me minister to a number of people. In fact, with the exception of one person in that whole community of people at New Vernon, this was a 30,000-square-foot store, huge number of employees. I know this, and, and, and it's amazing. Every one of them except one I had a chance to minister to in some way or another over the next two and a half years. And while they would never have made a public statement, when, it was, when they really needed something for advice and help, it was very quietly came, and I very quietly gave it. I share all of this to tell you because at the same time, I was involved in a congregation that was encouraging me, holding me up, would be praying for me to be successful at what I was doing. We pray for each other. Do you pray for each other? Have you ever thought about taking the... the, 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 the um, yeah, that thing with the pictures in it. Uh, and, and open it up and, and just pray for people that God would use them today and, 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 and just make that a part of your, your prayer schedule. Not every person every day, but just start going through it. And, and just say, God, God use, use the, the Abishans you know, and, 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 and wherever you lead them today. I hope you're praying for me and the elders. The other elders. And I would hope that that would be on a daily basis because we're striving to figure out how to put it all together all the time in a world that's becoming increasingly hostile. That's one of the reasons we rewrote the bylaws. Two reasons. Well, really, because we were always intending to and never got back to it to change certain things that were part of the template that we used, which really weren't part of what we were. But we never got back to it, and that's embarrassing. But, but the reality is, is that, that, that we're trying to address it now and, and this whole idea of, of even uh, getting into this idea of who is a part of this fellowship. And, uh, you know, you kind of need a, a, a brief kind of church history here. And, and this is going to be extremely brief. And I am not a church historian. But just to, to give you the picture, all through the church. Go to the Old Testament. You'll see this all through the Old Testament as well. All through the history of church, you're going to see kind of like ups and downs of the body of Christ in the sense of when they were following and, and as a whole and, and when there were senses of, of only a few, a remnant following. And we have all sorts of times, even in our, in our church history as Christians, as a result, some people can point back and say, well, look what Christians did. In fact, I remember hearing this in my, my uh, Western civilization class. The guy was very anti-Christian, told us up front that he was, but I wasn't a believer at the time. And, and, and uh, you know, he basically, every chance he got, he said, and because of Christians, this happened. Because of Christians, this happened. Because of Christians, this And he was always looking for the things in times where the church was doing, not the church work, but politically active and doing the, the work of kings and other things, but not the work of God. And that's happened. In the third or fourth, the fourth century, the church adopts, uh, the Rome adopts, adopts Christianity as the national or the, 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 the religion of the empire, actually. And for the first time, uh, the, the church really enjoyed a sense of freedom. And for a short period of time, I think it was, it was, it, you know, it was kind of in that up cycle. But uh, very quickly, it became uh, a part of what was politically involved. It became the Church of Rome. It became what's known as the Catholic Church still today. Uh, and, and there was a point in time where it got completely sidetracked. I mean, the whole concept of priesthood and things that are not of the, 
of, of, of the Bible. We are a priesthood of believers. We're all the priests. We don't need a priest to go there. All these things that came up, that part of that, that teaching that, that just got worse and worse and worse to the point where, where you looked at it and you were, you were, you were doing all sorts of, of, of works in order to, to get through purgatory, which is not even something that exists in Scripture. But the, the church came up with, you know, if you, if, as long as you were baptized when you were a baby, uh, you're, a, you're, you're a Catholic, and, and therefore you'll at least go to purgatory. And then you'll finally work your way out of there after you die. That's not what Scripture says. Man is appointed once to live and then becomes the judge and die and the judgment. And so you have a, a number of people in the, in the, in, in the 14 and 1500s, but, but especially Martin Luther in the 1500s came and, and man, he's, he's doing this, this step crawl thing and, and, and realizing as he's also thinking in terms of the book of Romans and the blood of Christ and, and, and nothing that I can do to save myself. He's kind of like, what am I doing? And he was a Catholic monk that stood up against the church and, and, and ultimately began what we would call the, 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 we give credit to the Protestant movement. And there was Luther and Calvin and Zwingli and a, a number of others that were part of that. And they didn't all agree on the peripheral areas. In fact, there was Calvinists, Arminians, and so, but they all agreed on certain things. It was interesting. In fact, we have this in our statement of faith on, in, on, the, on, the, on, on the, the web page, and I'm not going to go into a teaching today specifically about all of it, but I was kind of surprised when I put it on there. I, again, in one of those times where you take something for granted, and I just said the five solas. Somebody wondered if it wasn't cultish. They'd never heard of the five solas. And I realized I've never taught it that way. Uh, but I could call it the five absolutes. <laughs> uh, you know. And what it was was the idea that there's five essential things that, man, we're in agreement on, and they're the core of our value system. One is, is that it's, it is by faith and faith alone that you're saved. You know, period. It's by Scripture. There's only the Scripture. It's the only authority there is. There isn't a pope. There isn't a man who is the authority. It's the Scriptures with Jesus Christ as the head of the church. So it's Scripture alone or sola scriptura. You know, Christ alone. Only through Christ. No other way. Grace alone. And with glory to God only. And so you, you kind of have an outline of the Gospel there. It's, it's faith, grace, uh, through Christ alone. Only through the Scriptures that we understand it. And it's all to the glory of God. And so those became, and so by the way, those are on our, are still on our website, and they're explained in more detail uh, at the, the bottom of our statement of faith. And so uh, this agreement came, became what was known as the Protestant Church. By the way, there was an edict passed by the, the, from, from Rome and the Pope that basically said any system, and I'm going to paraphrase this, I know, but any system basically that practiced the idea of faith alone. No works, okay, and endorses that idea of priesthood of believers is anathema, forbidden. They're saying that's another gospel. And they're defining at that point an untruth. It's an untruth, you know. And to this day, that edict has not been repelled, repealed. I'll tell you, when I, when I go to Mexico, I'm really surprised. In the United States, the, the Catholic Church works hand in hand, very, you know, they're very ecumenical, this kind of stuff. Went to Mexico. And their deacons followed behind us as we were handing out flyers to come to our clinics, telling the people not to go 
that we were uh, demonic. So it, it may be in the United States you see this one side, but globally it's a different picture. And, and a lot, especially in, 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 in you know, Latin American countries, it's quite powerfully the opposite. So what we're dealing with is, is the reality of the foundation of the gospel, of the, the book of uh, the Word of God, the God-breathed Word. It brings us together to encourage each other, to stir each other up, and, 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 and to look at the uh, reality that, that we share this core set of values together, the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Somebody will say, well, why a membership list? Why do, where does it say... Can you show me in the book of Acts or any of the epistles where it says that, that, you know, that there, there needs to be a membership? I can't even show you where the word Trinity or you know, uh, you know, the, the idea of, of, of other aspects of, of some of the Scripture we hold. But I can show you where it's obvious in Scripture as you read through. They had groups of people. They knew who each other were. Think of, of Romans 16, the way Paul ends it. By the way, greetings too, 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 and all these individual people. They knew them by name. We have a situation, however, in, 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 the study, in, in, in our country, uh, both state and federal, that requires that if you're going to own property and be a church as an incorporation, you are required to maintain a written membership. I've been, I, I, because of where I come out of the 70s, man, that grits the negative way with me. I have to confess. As a result, I, 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 I did a poor thing in leadership. I didn't push on it. didn't dwell on it. We just kind of one day didn't, didn't do it and nobody said anything. And I didn't wasn't intentional. I just never got back to it. Kind of made a mess out of some things in the process. And so we're trying to get our old law, bylaws updated, if you will, to, to, to be contemporary with where we are. But in, to do that, we have to use the old bylaws, which talks about a written membership and a roster. And that, by the way, we all of that dealing out there. If you want to talk about that, see me later. But a membership list is required by the state of California. But let's just assume that it wasn't. Would it still be a good thing to have? I believe it would. It lets me know who I'm accountable for. You have chosen to say, he's my pastor, he's accountable for me, I'm accountable to him, and, and, he's, you know, and, and we're accountable to each other. And it, 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 you know, uh, it lets me know that you are committed and you let, and to, to who we are as a body, that, that you're in agreement. And in our culture, we do that with our signature. We say, we're in a covenant relationship with you. And we do it with a signature. Other cultures, you can do it with a handshake. Handshake doesn't work in the United States much anymore. You can do it by greeting each other with a holy kiss and, and, and realizing who each other That's definitely something we don't do anymore. So, so this idea of keeping a list, there's also serious concern sometimes. This is probably one of the reasons why I, I just didn't like this idea of a written list. When I was in, in Tulare, California, we were updating our list. We had 380-some people on the list. We had 80 people in the church. And some of them hadn't been seen for years. Some of them turned out were dead. Uh, we just didn't know it. And, and so we did, a, we, we, we did a huge research thing trying to find all these people, let them know in writing that their names were being removed from the membership role. 
I got a phone call from this guy in Sacramento. We're in Tulare. This is in Sacramento. You better not remove my name from that list. That's the church I was baptized in, and I'm a member of that church. Well, George, you haven't been here for 19 years. Uh, he said, doesn't matter. That's, I, my name is on that list, and that's the list. And to him, that was the list. It was as if it was written in heaven, his name in that list. And I, 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 you know, it wasn't, fortunately, I was the associate pastor. It wasn't my decision, and I turned the call over to somebody else. Um, and, and quite candidly, there were so many other things going on there that that, that got lost in the, in, as far as I was concerned. I didn't follow up and find out whatever happened to George. But, and his name wasn't really George, but that's my catch name. And so I, I share with you that there's a possibility. People get their names on a list, and they think somehow that's the essence of, 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 of their relationship with God, they're covered. And I know that can be a bad thing, and I understand that. So we're going to be careful to teach that that's not the case. That the only way your, your name is, is, is right with God is because you are right with God. And, and that's through the blood of Christ. Numbers of churches over the years have had covenant statements that explain who they are. Basically, statements of faith. When you go to our statement of faith that we're working on, that you've got copies of, if you've had a chance to read through it and stuff, what you're going to see is basically what the elders have come together with and, 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 and said, this is who we are, this is how we see the, the values of this congregation, so that when you come here on any given Sunday or go to a care group or a Bible study or anything else, you're going to expect that this is generally what's going to be taught. You have a clear understanding basically, of who we are. In fact, we've gone through a painstaking time over the last few years now to make sure that it's, it's got enough detail to it that you can look at it and say, ah, no surprise. In fact, not too long ago, we were accused of, of sabotaging. You know, your statement of faith doesn't say anything about you know, the fact that, that Pastor Bob is a doctrines and... and, and, and uh, 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 Doctrines of Grace Man. And I thought, I didn't know I had to declare that. Uh, if you listen to my preaching, I hope that it comes through in various ways at various times. But I've never worried about having to, to put that out as, I, I don't like to look at myself as, you know, as a particular covenant or a particular group or a particular statement. I, I prefer to look at myself as, as a man who believes in Jesus Christ and to the best of my ability I am teaching you what I have gleaned from Scripture and how it, it, where it reads to me. Have I changed some of my views? Yeah, even on membership. Why? Because I'm maturing, I hope, and realizing some things are, are different than the way I thought they were. So we have a statement of faith and you have a set of bylaws. When, you go to, uh, when you're looking for a new church, and, and many of you have gone through this, uh, you've moved, let's say. I, I tell people, and I, I mentioned this last week as well, you know, you need to go to a, a, a church. Maybe you can get a referral from people that you know, uh, whatever, as to a church to try. But you need to go a few times to find out what's being taught from the pulpit, what, this type of thing, and, and to get to see what's going on. Don't, don't judge a church by one Sunday. In fact, I don't know that it's fair to judge a church by any given Sunday, but, but you know, uh, you know, the idea is give it some time. But also be responsible on your part. 
I think it should be automatic. You want to see the bylaws. You want to see the statement of faith. You want to know what this church believes. And, and, And even then, we find sometimes hidden agendas that you didn't know about. The church that I was, went to first, their, their statement of faith was one thing, but the, the hidden agenda was no movies, no card playing, no, no smoking, no drinking, which actually turned out for me to be the important things that I needed to stop doing. Uh, but, but, uh, and, and quite candidly, I think God put me in that particular congregation for it to happen. But anyway, the, the idea is, is that, uh, you know, and, and it wasn't written down anywhere. You had to kind of stumble your way through. And when somebody found that I, that I played cards, I was pulled aside. When somebody found that I drank, I was pulled aside. When somebody found I smoked, I pulled aside. When they found out that I liked to go to dances, I was pulled aside. When I went to movies, I was pulled aside. It took a while, and some of it I never agreed with. And they didn't stop me from becoming a member, but they were always concerned about me. The idea of a set of bylaws and a, and a statement of faith is to be able to, the best of our ability, convey where we are today as a body of believers, and this is what you expect from the pulpit. And the idea of signing a a membership isn't that you have to agree with everything in a statement of faith, but that you agree with those solas, if you will, the core values, the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's all we we ask, in fact, in reference to being a member. That and, and, and because that is our statement of faith, that, that you would choose not to cheat, teach, teach against it in any way. That doesn't mean not to discuss it. There's, uh, there's people that, you know, when I say once saved, always saved, they're going to come from another point of view. Right here in this congregation. And some of us have been together with, with those differences for 30 years. Because they're not critical. You want to know the interesting thing to me? in one sense, is, is I'll say, that, you know, a person leaves the church, he's gone reprobate, you know, whatever, even though he's made a confession, even though he's baptized, I'm going to come to the conclusion, I don't think he was ever saved. The other person is going to say, I think they've lost their salvation. The interesting thing is both of us are going to run after this person and try to restore them into, into a relationship with Christ. So, what is it that really brings us together to stir each other up? It's, it's, it's to the best of our ability in a flawed mental state that we are to understand the Word of God, realizing that there are great scholars on peripheral issues, but we're in agreement on the foundation. And in that foundation, we don't budge because that foundation is based on what Christ did on the cross. And that we can rest with absolute confidence in the words, it is finished because we were helplessly, hopelessly lost and He saved us by opening our hearts and, and, and the idea of, of we're saved by faith, by grace through faith. And that not even of yourself, but a gift of God. And, and, and looking at that and coming to it and saying, thank you. However you put that together to realize that is the way it works. And we're in agreement on that. That's why I like to, to be a part of the, the communion every Sunday. So that we are reminded and always drawn back to having to to end our our preaching, if you will, with a focus on it is finished, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the work of of Christ for a fallen, helplessly, hopelessly lost man. And I were one and aren't one anymore. And I'm so thankful. Ask the worship team to come. uh, Ask the ushers to come forward. Pass the communion out until we've all been served and we'll share it together.
Oops, sorry.
by his blood we have come. There's no other avenue to approach the throne of God. Paul even writes to the Corinthians that it was revealed to him this whole concept of, of communion. That at the Last Supper that Jesus had with His disciples, the night He was betrayed, the supper before that time, He had taken the bread and after giving thanks and breaking it, He passed it to the disciples to eat. And He made a very clear statement. This is My body broken for you. And He asked us as often as we would share this to do it in remembrance of Him. The end of the meal, taking a cup of wine, lifting it up as a picture of His poured out blood. His blood that would be poured out to purchase the covenant of grace. He said, this is my blood. Not literally, but in symbolic picture. To be with us as long as He tarries. Until He returns. He said, this, is, this, this bread and this cup is a picture of who I am and what I've done. And again, asking us as often as we would share this until he returns to do it in remembrance of him. Father, we started our, con- our, our worship this morning with thanksgiving and we end it with the same thanksgiving and the reality of what you have done for us. But not only that, Lord, realizing that there is a constant need for us to be bringing ourselves before You for an idea of creating in us a, a clean heart. You're a God who knows us. You've known us from the, the, from the womb. You knitted us together in the womb. That's what Scripture says. And that reality is, is that in the framework of all of that, even knowing us, You've drawn us into Your presence, into knowing You, into having a relationship with You in, in such a way that we're actually going to share Your inheritance because of what you have done for us. We thank you. We bring ourselves before you and ask you to cleanse us. Cause us to be cognizant of our sins that we might be truly mourning over our sin. But not because we want to to look at it and say, oh, now we're helplessly, hopelessly, but realizing that, that, that that's been taken care of through your blood that as we confess our sins, You forgive us of our sins and, and, and draw us even more into Your presence. We thank You, in fact, Lord, for causing us to be able to discern sin in our life because we realize that's the Holy Spirit at work in us. And as that happens, Lord, we ask that You would also cause us to, to stir each other up and to, to be encouraged to go to our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outer parts of the world, if and when you call us even to that far, but to be ready to be what you want us to be where you put us, that we might share the awesome glory of the God who saved us and the powerful gospel message. Thank you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.